Welcome to the Obey Podcast, where we see through mainstream narrative. No propaganda, no bullshit, just the truth. And now, here's your host, Matthew Keck. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Obey Podcast. So like every other episode of the show up till now, I, I generally try to investigate an idea or a topic or something I'm seeing in the news that, that, that keeps coming up, and I try to synthesize some things and really put things into perspective. Um, but I, I'm currently trying to work through a thought process I have that has to do with the, 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 the general idea that the left-wing culture is hegemonic. It's something that is kind of antithetical to, or antithetical to, like the libertarian experience of wanting to be left alone, regardless of what you do in your personal life. And I, I think this broadly comes from the idea, and, and and this is something you might have read in like history class or like a, a civics class as a teenager. If it has anything about libertarians, it'll say something like that libertarians are conservative on economics and are socially liberal. And I don't think that's particularly true, especially if you are, are involved in the liberty movement. You know a lot of people are very pro-gun, <laughs> and um, it, it's it's hard to not consider guns a social issue, and it's it's hard to not see how, how libertarians are, are very far extreme right on that issue compared to everybody else. Um, so I just wanted to spell that idea and think about it a little bit, and I think it plays into a couple of things that are going on right now. Um, okay, so we're talking about the left culturally. A lot of things that have come up in the last decade or two are things like gay marriage um, and a lot of issues surrounding um, sexual orientation. And and to, to, to the, 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 the kind of talking point that goes along with this is what we do in the bedroom doesn't have to do with the government or your life, so you should leave us alone. And this is something that is a very, very, very libertarian idea. And like, even to the extent that libertarians take very much further beyond just what they do in their bedroom, but it's like everything that involves my family and my friends, and my property, you need to get out of. So, so it seems like on some level that, that, that this should be something that libertarians agree with the left on. And I think the, the, the other thing that falls in line with, with, with that ethos comes to things like the drug war and any, any type of recreational drug. And you hear libertarians that are pretty much for the legalization of anything. And you hear left-wing people typically saying nonviolent criminals should not be in prison. So you have this overlap here, and somebody can argue that it's culturally left or socially left. And I think to some extent on the surface, that is true. In, in the sense that we technically agree on what we want the end result to be. But I don't think it comes from the same place. Because I think... The place it comes from for somebody who's small government and libertarian is just, you shouldn't have anything to do with me, period. And then these are all things categorically that follow under anything involving my personal life. On the left, it's kind of like, hey, these are things that the government specifically singled out, and I like them, and you need to stop singling that, them out. It seems kind of unfair and vicious, at least in this point of history when we're reflecting on it. Um, people have come around to see, like, hey, the, 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 this wasn't a really good idea. It didn't work out that well, and it's not very fair. Um... Now, if we think about other things, though, 
that have to do with tolerance and acceptance, and we normally think about social issues, I don't think there's nearly as much common ground between left-wing people and what we'd consider people in the liberty movement. Um, okay, so maybe an example of this could be something like, um, well, I, 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 think, I think this is the good transition into it. Um, so in Georgia right now, and I apologize ahead of time, I'm not going to directly cite or quote any articles on this episode, so the show notes are going to be relatively bare, um, but, th- but a lot of things I'm going to reference are common knowledge at this point or have recently been in the news and have been covered widely. Um, but in Georgia, they are passing a bill that has to do with um, who is eligible to vote and the procedures around voting, and it's about like if how, how easy it is to vote from home, some things like that, and certain things about polling specifically. And it's kind of been seen as something that is anti-democratic by people on the left. So people on the left are specifically singling out certain elements of the bill, like how you can't, um, if, if, if you're a non-neutral party, so like let, let's say you're a person wearing a vote for, you know, Republicans t-shirt, then in Georgia you can't hand out water bottles to people who are waiting in line. You can't hand out, you can't hand out snacks to people waiting in line. Things like that. Um, and then people find this like offensive because in their mind, every voting line is super long and people are, you know, dying from heat stroke or something like this in, in November. <laughs> and, um, so, so, so something like that's happening. And then they view this as why well, you can't even give these people water. You can't even be kind of nice when in reality that this would probably not be that strictly enforced. And it's specifically singing out, singling out when like a person related to a campaign does it or a partisan person does it. It's not stopping anybody from leaving a cooler, like right outside a voting place that has water bottles in it, um, or anything like that. Okay, so, the, so, the, it's not exaggerating to say that the that the that this Georgia bill. Is something that has gotten the left beyond up in arms about. So if you're not a person who listens to the news, and that's kind of why I was stuttering there, it's, it's almost like I don't even know where to start. It's been seen as like one of the most um, evil things possible. This is when Joe Biden did his press conference. He compared it to Jim Crow. Um, he, I, all, all sorts of people on the left have condemned it. And it got to the point where it's not just condemning people based on this piece of legislation that it doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. But it's about condemning people for not condemning the piece of legislation. So what do I mean by this? Well, we've gotten to the point where people were mad at Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola is headquartered in Georgia. And Coca-Cola did not denounce that this bill was going to be signed into law. So because Coca-Cola did not proactively make a political statement about this policy, Coca-Cola was getting um, pressured by the left. And they were going to get boycotted and such. So somebody would say this is a social issue, something about like the quote unquote, the people it's about voters. Um, but I don't see why any libertarian would be particularly concerned by this law. Um, it doesn't seem like it's that important. Um, and you were assuming that we find voting and democracy, something very deeply sacred, which I don't really think libertarians should already, but, but at best it seems like a bill that's not that bad or not that good. And it's not that big of a deal. But the left has turned it into a cudgel of accusing people of racism and accusing companies of racism for not proactively taking policy stances. And I don't think it falls with the libertarian ethic to have this, this, this intolerant culture where you need to dominate everybody and get them agree, to agree to your political priors. 
this is kind of the whole reason why we're anti-government is because the government, even when you don't agree with it, uses their monopoly on violence to, to force things on you. And what the left is doing is they're pretty much saying like, hey, you need to have the correct stance or else we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And, and to some extent, this is the free market cure for things. Like if, if you don't, if, if you have two bars that you could go to and they both serve equal quality food and drinks at a good price, um, you're going to go to the one that had, that, that, that speaks to you more, that, that you align with more. And even if you're not directly saying I'm boycotting them for this reason, it might just be because one plays country music and the other one plays rock music and you'd rather listen to rock music. Um, so then you're saying like, okay, well I have this preference, so I'm going to do this. But what they're doing is they're kind of saying like, hey, if you don't have the same exact views as us, you're a deplorable person. I don't think you should exist. And we're going to use all of our power and might to try to hurt your bottom line, even though you're just a soda company. Now, I'm not saying that they can't do that or it's evil to do that. I'm not even saying that's violent to do that. I'm not saying that Coca-Cola is entitled to their money to any degree. Like, I think it's okay and, and it's not morally wrong to boycott. But it is this ethic of domination and wanting to control how other people think. And if you don't go along with their line, they want to hurt you. And this kind of goes to a line that Michael Malice says a lot, which is that the left wants you dead, but they'll sell for your compliance. And I, I kind of have tinkered with that thought in my head a lot, because to some degree, I think that they want your compliance, but they'll settle for you dead. But the, the, the I, I guess the underlying message that Michael Malice is getting at is if you, in your heart of hearts, disagree with the, the leftist orthodoxy on things, like if you just have opposite intuitions, if you don't think that you're owed it, you owe anything to society, if you don't think everybody's entitled to what they think they're entitled to, they kind of don't really think that you should exist. They, 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 they kind of think that you're a scourge on the society that you live in. And if there weren't people like you, then they'd have their utopia. And you're the thing blocking them from utopia. And to, the, to that extent, they want you dead. But as long as you fake it enough, as long as you, you run that corporation and you put out the statement condemning what they want you to condemn, and you apply along, you know, even though in, the, in, their, in their heart of hearts and your heart of hearts, you know that you're not on the same page, you know, since, they're, since, since you're under their boot, they, they kind of settle for it. And I, I think that has a lot of truth to it. And I, I, I don't think that goes without saying. I think that's very relevant in this whole situation surrounding, you know, how Coke has to condemn this legislation, even though it's not like Coke is supposed to be the governing body in the United States or in Georgia. Um, so even though it may seem like that the, the left and libertarians have unity in terms of if you put a piece of legislation in front of them that said legalize marijuana, they both vote, yes, of course, legalize marijuana. But just because you end up having, in the end, the, these similar outcomes, it doesn't mean that there's any similar, I guess, ethos about getting there. And the, the, that's part of why a lot of the unity kind of um, rhetoric I hear from libertarians about how we just need to win over certain types of people from, from, from different sides of the aisle, it makes me skeptical. Because if, if we both get the same answer, but the math is completely different, then do we really have anything in common with a lot of the people that we're kind of trying to pander to? Um, at least to some degree. So I think that, that, that thinking about it in this way is, is worthy of inspection because we need to think about how much that matters. Because in, in the end, they don't really care about things like the non-aggression principle. They care about their dominant cultural view and they care about implementing it on the, on the society. So even if that coincidentally happens to be freedom for nonviolent actions on your own property, 
it's like, hey, that, that's great. We happen to agree there. But then they also um, want everybody to maybe like use certain pronouns for people. And there have been people in different countries who have put this into law where people get fined for, 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 for saying malicious things on the internet and using people's incorrect pronouns. And these are the same people that you'll find on your side for things like legalizing marijuana. Um, so you got to be very careful about who is your bedfellows on issues because on other issues, they might be the people who we think are the most vile, fat fascist authoritarians. So it's something you have to be careful on. It's not really like that we see them as a common partner a lot of the time, even if we agree with them every now and then. And it's kind of by coincidence. Okay, so the other thing I want to add on this, well, and, and you can also add in, um, I, I, know, I know Coke and I think Delta ended up putting out messages that denounced the legislation, but then the, the, the MLB um, ended up pulling their all-star game from Georgia because it was scheduled to be in Georgia this year, and they were getting pushed back for hosting it in that city since the city was going to pass this legislation. So in, in the end, the, the left's cultural hegemony, um, it stood tall. And it pressured all these people into acting a certain way, and it's it's kind of it's kind of gross and it's kind of scary. Um, so the other thing I wanted to touch on that I think kind kind of plays a role here, and it's pulling on a lever somewhere in this whole you know equation, is the the idea of like soft fascism from above. So we we have to think that not only is the left pushing this, but what informs the left's cultural ideas. Um, so it's not just that the left was born with certain views, but they were probably more likely born with certain sympathies. Um, so I guess an example of this is somebody who's a libertarian is probably much less likely to trust traditional institutions. And it's because a lot of libertarians are well-versed in history surrounding institutions being evil and misleading people. Um, like a lot of us will talk about Waco. A lot of us will talk about, um, oh my God, it's, it's slipping my mind. But but the um, when, when they infect oh it's it's the it's the the Tuskegee syphilis experiments like we'll we'll, we'll allude to historical events that involve the government lying to people and hurting people things like MK Ultra stuff like that all that is ever present in our mind but you have a lot of people on like the neoliberal left who listen to people with degrees on NPR and Bloomberg that say hey I'm an expert in this field so listen to what I have to say like I would remind them that. Experts disagree on everything, so you can really, if you have a view you already want, you can just pick an expert, and then they'll, 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 they'll read your view back to you, which is why you can say Hayek and Friedman and Keynes have all been no, no, they, they, they have all won Nobel prizes, right? Um, even though they all have very, very different views on things. So you know, you can pick your expert, but they'll appeal to these experts. But where do these experts get validation from? Well, when you live in a place like the United States, where you have a massive federal government that roams overhead at all times, you have people who are appointed, and then that is their credential when they go on NPR, right? You'll have somebody on NPR, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, this person served in Obama's, um, you know, they, they, they were the treasury director under Obama for six years. And that, that is the credential that gives them the, the legitimacy, and then that legitimacy is what inculcates people who are sympathetic to authority figures that have the, the pseudo-respectability that that position gave them. So where is the culture that, that is informing the, the left coming from? And if it's coming from the government, then even if it happens through seemingly consensual manners of private parties, is it different if it all 
is based on, I guess, authoritarian structures of informing people and shaping their opinions. And I'm, I'm trying to go about this in a way that, that makes it, it makes it certain that I'm not implying that there is no overt conspiracy. I'm not saying that Obama like made somebody the treasury um, secretary so then he, that that person could go on a media campaign five years down the road. But what I'm saying is the, these things are, are in lockstep. Though the way the government interacts with culture and the way it interacts with messaging are, are very present. So if a private company starts saying like you need to be vaccinated for the coronavirus to step foot in a grocery store, well, why, why did it start saying that? Well, it started saying that because a member of the CDC used certain language in all their press conferences. Okay, well, is, is that something that, that, that should just be glossed over, or is this something worthy of inspection? And I, I think the main reason why it is worthy of inspection is it's kind of like what I talked about with that, with that voting law earlier. It seems to me that voting law is really kind of a nothing burger. And, and if anything, it's like it could be seen as mildly good or mildly bad. Uh, but overall, it's, there, there's a lot there. But when we're talking about things like the coronavirus response, if you look at the numbers and you think about it and you're pushed and you're asked questions that are not on that three by five card of allowable opinion that they'll ask on NPR, if you actually think critically about it, people say like, well, only 23 people under 35 died in this large city. Is it fair that people under 35 can't do anything? Should people self-segregate? Should people make their own decisions? Well, th those questions aren't asked to, anti uh, to Anthony Fauci. Um, they, 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 they just aren't. But if Anthony Fauci is the person doing the overwhelming amount of messaging on coronavirus and he works for the government and then private parties make decisions, but they're all informed by the CDC, which is a government body, and they're, they're all spreading, I guess, um, incomplete information, then is it really, you know, is it really private parties acting in a private way? And I think I would say no. And I think that's why the whole situation around the COVID vaccine passports is so scary. Because you have libertarians saying the naturally libertarian thing, which is something along the lines of you can make your own rules on your own property. Therefore, if, if you want to have um, a requirement that somebody have, you know, X, Y, and Z, then you can have that requirement. But if that requirement is only there because the government has has pretty much convinced people to think in a certain way and just repeated it for a year. And, and, and a lot of people do not know a lot of the hard facts. They, they just kind of say, well, this is the conventional wisdom. This is what I'm supposed to believe. This is what everybody tells me. This is what certain big companies have done. I, all, all these people are just following in suit. So can, can you really have a lot of private industry if you have an overarching government? Because even if they give them the freedom to make the choice, they're kind of not really free to make the choice because they've had they've been winked and nodded at to take certain cues or else they'll be um they'll, they'll maybe have more liability or, or or other things similarly um now with all that said it isn't even clear that the private companies are going to be left with the option to make their own private decisions um but i it, it's just a way of conceptualizing the the the, the way that the left chooses to dominate culture and then chooses to enforce their ideas on other people at least some of the time and then where are their ideas even coming from because it's not always naturally from the left and i guess i would mo most directly appeal to the people who listen to like bloomberg and npr and things that come from experts and official sources because those experts and official sources are often not uh, unanimously agreed with unless you take similar experts but if you reach out to their if you reach out a little bit, there are plenty of unorthodox people who always disagree.
Um, so I, I, I guess I'm raising all these things, not because you probably haven't thought about it, but because there is some link here between government, culture, and then culture and policy. And fortunately, a lot of ways that the winds have blown on some issues have been very pro-liberty. And I mean that in the way that, like, you people who are gay can get married. Like, th things like that can be considered pro-liberty pro in a win. But it can very easily swing the other way in the sense that there are people who are 25 that have no pre-existing conditions that think COVID could kill them. And it's like, well, 20 people your age die, and they probably had a lot going on. So, so it's just like the fact that those people are living in fear is just like absolutely ridiculous. But then those are the kinds of people who will clamor for private businesses to make certain rules. And it's like, why are they clamoring? It's because the government more or less indoctrinated them. Or media sources that take cues from the government or former government experts have indoctrinated them. Um, so it, it just doesn't seem to me that that is all that private. And I don't think we would. I, I think this is, I guess, the exact concern of fascism. It's really a private partner. Um, it's it's a private-public partnership where the public is kind of using the private arm as a tool, and they're saying, "Well, the private arm can do that," and we all agree that the private arm should be free to do that. But they're really just doing the stuff the government's not allowed to do because it'd be authoritarian if the government did it. Um, so, but 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 in reality, they kind of have the control of that private sphere, and then they're using it to implement the rules. Um, I hope I don't sound too too crazy to people here. <laughs> um, I, I know it's really easy to get caught up in certain ways of um, thinking. Or, well, the, 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 there are certain ideas that sound a lot more conspiratorial than they intend to. And I, I think this is a topic that can unintentionally sound conspiratorial. And I'm not trying to paint an overt conspiracy here or anything of the sort. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm more just trying to say it's not unfair to think that a lot of private companies take cue from the government. And the government oftentimes gets pushback. So they send the cues and they tell the private parties to make their own choices. And it's like Coke didn't have to make a statement about denouncing a piece of legislation. But they did because a bunch of people took cues from the, the, the government on the left. You had the, the people who are in the House and the Senate that, that are members of the Democratic Party, all denouncing the same piece of legislation for days and days and days and calling it racist and evil, even though it's kind of nothing. Um, so then you get a bunch of activists on Twitter who go, oh, you know what I should do? I should get mad at all these companies for not voicing things. And they, they, they took the cues from the people that they um, agree with more or are members of their political parties, and they just kind of repeat it. But then they repeat it at Coke, and then Coke does their bidding. So it's like, well, did Coke say this because they're a free company? Or did they say it because a bunch of people were kind of manipulated to um, pressure them into doing it? So it's kind of like, what what does this really mean? And this is endemically a problem of government. And this is why big government is always going to be um, a problem. Because you always run into these ethical questions of, did the government really do this? Did the government start this message? Is the government pushing this or this? And who, whose fault is it really? Are, are people free if they're being, um, are are these people free if they're being manipulated? And some some people have criticized the the private sector for the same reason because they're saying are people free if advertising gets them to do something? But I would say the a much more malicious and consistent force coming from the public sector is government messaging, because there is about half the country is happy to eat it up. And a bunch of people are docile and will, in the back of their mind, eat it up. 
because, oh, I hear everybody saying this, and this is kind of what I'm supposed to think, because all those people have jobs, and they're, they're relatively successful, so they know the right things you're supposed to do. This is the allowable opinion. So it kind of wins out in the end. Okay, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I if I went on a tangent here. I just need to kind of exercise those uh, demons uh, on this topic because it was something I was stewing in my head. And I just want to get those thoughts out there. Um, it, it's something that I like to do every now and then. Um, overall, there, there has been a lot of news that I've been wanting to cover, but I, t- I took a week off there just because it's just getting so redundant. I, I think I do want to talk a little bit about the, the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, and spoiler alert, I do not think uh, D- Derek Chauvin is going to get... Um, I think he's going to get acquitted by the jury, or it's going to be a hung jury, and I think there's going to be some riots. So I, I guess now I have to do an episode on it, because that's the teaser there. Um, but, but I'll have to explain why I think that's the case, um, and, and much more. So so there's a lot there to unpack, and that's been in the news a lot in the last week. But for the most part, it's kind of the same old thing about economics and stimulus, and I don't feel the need to rehash that just yet, because I covered that in detail earlier this year. <laughs> so so I took I took a week off, but I'm, I'm sure I'll be here with more con- um, content. And I did want to note that on Wednesday of this week, I'm going to be doing the, the first episode of the Obey podcast where I have a guest on, and we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be with Archaic Skids. He had me on his uh, YouTube show, Derailed, on uh, Sunday. So... I, I'm looking to I'm looking forward to having a conversation with him because he's also a member of the Liberty Movement, and we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff that's that's at least partially related to what I just talked about. Um, and the last thing I'm going to note is uh, if you want to see any of my other content, you can find this podcast at the Obey Podcast on Twitter. You can find me personally on Twitter at Matthew T Keck. You can find this podcast in a podcatcher or on YouTube. I'm just searching the Obey podcast, and you can find the other podcasts I do where I argue with a ANCOM slash Marxist type about all sorts of political and philosophy issues. We do our show Beyond Talking Points, and that's on YouTube or it's on any podcaster. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm going to do more content, um, and I'm going to go on more rants. And it's always fun to to get that out there, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, So sign off for now. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcatcher or share the podcast with a friend. You can find out more information about the Obey podcast at anchor.fm slash obey podcast or on Twitter at the Obey podcast. Until next time. Next time.